Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And thank you for joining us here today on AOA, Agriculture of America. Always great to have you along for the conversation as we talk about issues impacting rural America. We have a a great show on tap for you here today. We're going to talk about uh, farm bill appropriations, where things stand. Also, uh, some new money being announced for a great partnership with North Dakota State University and Grand Farm. North Dakota Senator John Hoven going to join us for a conversation coming up here in segment two today. After the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk with Michael Dykes, president and CEO of the International Dairy Foods Association. They just wrapped up their dairy forum in Phoenix, Arizona. We're going to get some updates on that and talk dairy issues coming up here with Michael Dykes a little bit later on in the show. And we're going to wrap up. We're going to talk with Diane Curley. She is the senior vice president of U.S. Apple. We're going to talk ag labor with her coming up at the end of the show today. First up, though, let's take a look at what is happening in these markets as we are at the end of the month of January. Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, joins us here on AOA. Mike, always good to talk with you and You know, uh, interesting markets here as we near the end of the month. We start the week on Monday with a down day. Then we come back on Tuesday and have the old turnaround Tuesday. I guess I'm just wondering, you know, what could this direction of this market be here as we head into the month of February, Mike? Yeah, I mean, to go from um, a a price action in March beans uh, with with hitting new two-year lows, Jesse, and then seeing the recovery in prices and seeing March close, back up above 1220 uh, the following day um, in, in seeing that that break to the downside on Monday was being led by the idea that trade reports are out there. We're seeing Brazilian beans head to the United States southeast coast uh, to the feed mills, um, some quoting three loads, some quoting that's going to be a buck 30 underneath the March futures as for price. To be able to offset that and, and close money like we did and then come back Tuesday and, and turn things around so sharply, I, I think the thing that had to do it was not technicals. I don't think it was short covering just because we hit a certain price level. I think it was fundamental. And, you know, as we talked about before, I really think the negativity in the trade resulting from China's economic weakness and the fear of commodity deflation and them exporting this deflation out into the rest of the world in 2024 came to a screeching halt, I think, on Tuesday when the IMF came out with a surprise increase in their outlook for China and their growth going up four-tenths of a percentage point to 4.6% for 2024. Um, That, to me, was a stunner. And it seemed like, to me, the, the markets that kicked off the recovery on Tuesday early on were copper, soy, and hogs. And I think those three really have a strong element of China in terms of influence on the prices. I'm glad you brought that up, Mike, because that was a, a very stunning type of number. You know, I think back to just over the weekend with that news of Evergrande having to liquidate all their assets, the giant real estate entity in China, things you know look doom and gloom. And then we get a signal like this. It just, I guess it gives me 
some confusing signals in terms of how the health of China's economy really is right now. Yeah, and I think if you're in the economic world, you in finance world, and you know about China's economy and how it operates and it being a command economy, um, you, you have to recognize, in my opinion, there is a good theme about them acknowledging Evergrande. It's been a year plus that Evergrande's been on, <clears throat> excuse me, been on the books. That is a big issue. Well, they're wiping it off the books or letting it liquidate. And to me, that's the beginning of the end of the negativity. And, and China, A, recognizes their problem, and B, they're doing something about it. And so there is weather out there, Jesse. I don't want to short, short play or down uh, downplay the weather side of the equation. Argentina, Paraguay, very important this year because they're supposed to make up a lot of the losses for Brazil's production shortfall if we see a pretty decent one, which I think we will. And, and it looks like those areas are looking drier in next week. And I think that did get some uh, get some press as well and probably caught in the marketplace as well. But I don't know if it would have had it not been for the macro side of the equation. I know we have a lot of U.S. economic data out this week, too. We've gotten stuff already like housing and the jobs report, the jolts report. Uh, the Fed's going to wrap up their two-day meeting on Wednesday. Don't expect any uh, monetary policy changes. Uh, it sounds like uh, folks are, are waiting until, you know, thinking March is what they'll wait to in order to make any sort of maybe rate cuts. Uh, but again, a lot of U.S. economic data this week that seems to be uh, in this marketplace and maybe a headwind a little bit, Mike? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you you really need from the Federal Reserve on Wednesday them reinforcing their neutral bias right now. And I think you're 100% right. March or even April, May may be the first time we actually see cuts. But the recent economic data would suggest pretty strongly to me, Jesse, they need to reinforce a neutral bias because they don't need to raise rates at this point. But the end of the month is also on Wednesday. And obviously, we have that biannual cattle report. But the, the big deal for me is how the charts look as we close out the month. And I'll just say it very bluntly. To me, a lot is riding on how we look the next week, two weeks in terms of putting a quote China low in the market and getting away from this mindset of a U.S. weak U.S. demand base and weak world demand. And that's softening up because the export deflation, uh, exporting of deflation that China is going to do. We need to put that thing to bed and that fundamental factor and bring back the markets in, a, in the form of getting out of making record high U.S. stock market moves, moving that money back into emerging markets, starting with China. Well, to wrap up here, Mike, uh, as you look at these markets and analyze things, do we bury our head in the sand here or do we try to reward a little bit of some of this rally that we saw on Tuesday, for instance, in these markets? I mean, what do you think? What do you want folks to remember this week? Yeah, I mean, I hit the trigger of taking out the Jan report lows and soybeans. I recommended buying puts, either March or May puts. Get a floor underneath you. You don't need to do any cash sales on depressed prices, in my opinion, this early in the year unless you need cash flow. If you need cash flow, I'd recommend looking at the soy because at the end of the day, we're still $75 a ton or $2 a bushel under in Paraguay. Uh, or excuse me, Paranagua in Brazil than here at the U.S. Gulf. So we are still two bucks too expensive at the Gulf of Mexico. And we've got to wait for the February WASDE report to see some adjustments for the market to really buy into a tighter crop in South America, if you ask me, Jesse. 
Well, we're getting up against the clock. Uh, good thoughts as always. Mike, if folks want to reach out to you, get some market advice, have a conversation, I really can find you very easily. How can they reach you, Mike? Globalcomresearch.com is the best place. It's globalcom with two M's, research.com, or call me toll-free, 866-471-2588. Well, Mike, always appreciate the time and the insight. Very valuable stuff. Thanks for joining us here on AOA again this week, and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, sir, for having me, Jesse. Once again, Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. Great stuff there. Again, find him online, as he said, globalcom with two M's, research.com. That's globalcomresearch.com. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about new funding announced, a pretty big uh, funding announcement for NDSU, Grand Farm, and others uh, in North Dakota that's going to look at ag research. Also, we're going to get an update on Farm Bill and appropriations discussions on Capitol Hill. North Dakota Senator John Hoven joins us next here on AOA, Agriculture of America. Are you heading to NCBA in Orlando? On Thursday, February 1st, stop by Christian Hansen booth 1067 for some exciting live radio. Celebrity host Jesse Allen will be broadcasting AOA Live from Christian Hansen booth 1067 from 10 to 11 a.m. Also on Friday at 1130 in the Learning Lounge, Jesse Allen will be hosting Christian Hansen's discussion on how daily feeding of probiotics can improve the digestibility and utilization of the forages cattle are consuming. Heading to NCBA's Cattle Convention on Friday, February 2nd. Stop by USMEF booth 1807 with me, Jesse Allen. We'll be broadcasting AOA Live with our friends from the National Corn Growers Association and the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Stop by from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern to learn how these organizations work together to competitively position American product as the sustainable, high-quality, premier product of choice. And don't forget to join NCGA on Thursday at 2.30 for their Learning Lounge. We'll see you in Orlando. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. Now. We tend not to think about now. We dream about tomorrow, relive yesterday. But sometimes we don't see what's right in front of us. Victory over cancer is in front of us. Right now, cancer research is saving lives. Cancer research funded by the V Foundation is leading to new discoveries and new treatments. And ultimately, one day, victory over cancer. Right now, one out of every two men and one out of every three women will get cancer in their lifetime. Now is your moment. You may save someone you love. The V Foundation has the skill, the speed, and the strength 
to achieve victory over cancer. Because today's cancer research is tomorrow's victory. Learn more at V.org. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now here on AOA, Agriculture of America, pleased to have with us North Dakota Senator John Hoven. And Senator, it's great to talk with you again. Thanks for the time, and uh, let's jump right in. Some uh, very exciting funding announced on Monday for uh, North Dakota State University and Grand Farm, their partnership uh, we're looking at ag technology research and development, getting up to $160 million over 10 years. Uh, this is really exciting stuff. Can you talk about this a little bit for us, Senator? Yeah, it is exciting. It's in conjunction with the NSF, which is a National Science Foundation. And essentially what we put together is that it's the North Dakota Advanced Agricultural Tech Engine. Uh, FARMS is the acronym that we're using. But as you say, it's uh, really a partnership between NDSU and all the great research they do, as well as Grand Farms. And it's also got the support of the Fargo, West Fargo-Moorhead Chamber and the Greater Fargo-Moorhead Economic Development Corp. And, and now the tribal colleges have just been added as well. But really, there's about 75-plus various partners throughout the state that will be working along with it. And as you said, it's uh, $15 million uh, uh, that they've been awarded now, and, and uh, it, it could be up to $160 million uh, over the next uh, 10 years. And so it's a big project that will leverage a lot of other funds that will have, you know, mainline partners tied into it that we've been working with, everybody from companies like John Deere and Agco to various tech companies. Uh, and so it, it really reflects, you know, NDSU's leadership in precision agriculture, in ag research, and really, you know, all of the different things that are so vital on behalf of uh, America's great farmers and ranchers. Well, and I, I think about this, too, just the explosion in ag technology and the growth in precision agriculture and NDSU being a leader in that. Uh, this is an area here throughout uh, agriculture, Senator, that is is an area that just continues to grow and expand. And things like this, more research, more development, uh, trying to make farmers and ranchers' lives that much easier with utilizing all this great technology. It's, it's so important here in 2024, isn't it? Yeah, it really is because, I mean, I, I, our, our farmers and ranchers are very advanced in, in uh, all the technology they use. Uh, whether it's growing crops or raising animals. And that's enabled them to be so much more productive. It's enabled us to grow a lot more crops and do so, you know, on a basis where they can actually be competitive in global market. And so that that leadership is vitally important that we continue to have that at NDSU uh, in outreach and, and in ag research. And the other thing is, not only are they educating these great young people to be the farmers of the future, but all these ties in with the tech park and, uh, you know, with, with obviously with Grand Farm, the, the, as you said, the precision ag technology and, and these companies. And we've got them all. I mean, all of these big time ag related companies now 
are partnering with us on these things, and they're they're putting a lot of funding into these things that we're doing as well. All that's going to translate, you know, into uh, more productivity and making sure that our our farmers and ranchers stay ahead of the game. Senator Hoven, let's switch gears a little bit here. Uh, I know you're the ranking member on the Senate Ag Appropriations Committee, and uh, we are obviously wondering where appropriations currently stand. We know we have uh, another continuing resolution happened. We have deadlines now in March here on Capitol Hill trying to uh, get this uh, government funded and get things figured out as we're well into the fiscal year now. Where do things stand in terms of the appropriations process? Can you give us any updates there? Well, we've moved our ag bill. I mean, first off, we've moved all the appropriations bills in the Senate through the full appropriations committee on a bipartisan basis. They're ready and waiting to go. As far as the floor, we've moved our uh, ag bill across the floor as well, and that has really strong provisions for ag research, including for your ag research here at NDSU um, and other things that relate to what we were just talking about. Um, but the key is that the rest of the bills get uh, moved on the on the uh, Senate floor, and that's that's something that uh, Senator Schumer, uh, you know, we're pushing on them to go get them done and get in conference with the House. Uh, as you're probably aware, the current funding uh, resolution goes through about March 8th. So um, you know, we're pushing to get after it, and get it done, and find ways to fund things that we should, like we're talking about in the ag world, and also find ways to reduce spending and savings where we can. They help address this uh, budget deficit. I know there's been some talk that Senator Schumer wants to try and move all the appropriations bills under one big bill rather than voting on individual appropriations bills. And I know some folks are not happy with that, but in terms of time at this point, it, is there really any chance to try and vote on some of these appropriations bills separately, or is it going to have to be one giant omnibus type bill? Well, that's why we're pushing on them to get our bills to the floor. And, you know, we don't want to have one bill. We need to go through regular order, which is where these bills get to the floor. And like you say, hopefully that helps get a better product in terms of funding priorities and finding savings. And so, yeah, he's been slow about it and we're pushing on him. And and uh, we should be doing it through regular order, not uh, through one big bill. Uh, and, and that's what we're trying to accomplish is, is getting these bills to the floor individually or you know maybe grouped in a couple at a time but not one big bill now of course uh, once we get appropriations done there's other things such as a farm bill that need to get done i know there's been uh, quite a bit of back and forth here just uh, in the last few weeks uh, it seems uh, in both the senate and the house between uh, republicans and democrats in terms of uh, some of the farm bill priorities, uh, a little bit of uh, you know discussion between farm versus nutrition, of course, which is I feel like that happens a lot. Uh, your thoughts on the potential of getting a, a new farm bill done here uh, after we can get through appropriations potentially in the next few months? Well, as you know, we have a one-year extension in place. I think that's important so there's no uncertainty out there for our farmers and ranchers, and we're adamant about that. And really the holdup is, at least in, in my view, is that the, um, we've not gotten to where we need to in terms of strengthening crop insurance, making improvements to crop insurance, assisting with the the, uh, the cost of buying up to a higher level so that our farmers uh, can you know cover their crop at a higher level. 
more affordably. And then the other thing is uh, updating our uh, NPLC. Uh, those reference prices need to be updated. And, and those two things have to happen, in my view, before we'll pass a farm bill. And because, uh, you know, some of our colleagues on the other side of the aisle uh, were balking at that, and they always want to push everything into the nutrition programs. Um, and we're fine with, you know, making sure people who need help as far as nutrition get it, but there should also be work requirements. And we've got to fund uh, the uh, ARC-PLC and the uh, uh, crop insurance properly, upgrade, update them properly. And until they do, we're not going to get a farm bill. So uh, that's why we put the one-year extension in place. Uh, I'm hopeful we can get it done, but it's got to get done right. I know as well, Senator Hoven, we'll, one more thing before we let you go. I think in terms of everything that's kind of going on right now, the back and forth and just some of the climate in our country, I I think there's a lot of folks, um, not only farmers and ranchers, but just the general public that are maybe a little frustrated with, with how things have been going in terms of the appropriations battle or for farmers maybe trying to get this farm bill done, et cetera. And I don't, I don't think it's necessarily – I don't think it matters if there's an R or a D in front of someone's name. It's just I think a lot of folks are just frustrated right now. Are you getting some of that sentiment when you talk with your constituents there in North Dakota? Is there a growing frustration amongst the American people? Well, certainly on things like the border, I'm very frustrated by uh, myself. This administration needs to shut it down, and they got the tools to do it, and we're all over them to keep pushing to get it done. In the case of the Farm Bill, you know, again, we put that extension in place to make sure our, our guys, our farmers and ranchers are, are uh, you know, don't face any uncertainty for this next year. Uh, but really, when I talk to them, they want me to fight for the things that I just described to you. Uh, it's more important that we get those right than we get this done soon. And, uh, you know, our farmers provide the highest quality, lowest cost food supply uh to, to every single American, uh, you know, that's ever existed, uh, and uh, not only that, but, but Americans spend less of their budget, you know, on food. And so the whole point is our farmers and ranchers are getting that done for them. We may, and, that, and we better make sure that we continue to have the right kind of farm policy because it benefits every single American every single day. And that's what I'm fighting for. So to me, at the end of the day, it's about making darn sure we get a good farm bill for our producers. Well, great thoughts, and do appreciate the time with that. North Dakota Senator John Hoven. Senator, thanks for joining us on Agriculture of America today. Appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks, Jesse. Good to visit with you. And once again, appreciate the time. North Dakota Senator John Hoven joining us here today on AOA. All right, coming up next, we are going to recap the recent dairy forum that was held in Phoenix, Arizona, and talk dairy issues with Michael Dykes from the International Dairy Foods Association. He joins us next on AOA, Agriculture of America. Every day, our brave military men and women, along with their families, make tremendous sacrifices for our freedom. Patriotic Hearts, a nonprofit organization, is dedicated to supporting these heroes and their families in their times of need. By donating your unwanted car to Patriotic Hearts, you'll be supporting job transition and job fair programs, veteran entrepreneurship, counseling, and retreats for combat veterans and their spouses. Call 800-560-3870. You'll receive a tax deduction and we'll arrange a free pickup at your convenience. Imagine the difference you can make in the lives of those who have given so much for our country. Your car donation will directly impact military families, veterans, 
providing them with the support they desperately need. Call 800-560-3870. You can become a part of something bigger. Join us in our mission to uplift and honor our military community. Call 800-560-3870 to donate your unwanted card. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risfet with this Market Update. The grains and oil seeds are mostly lower this morning. Chicago wheat is leading the descent there. Now, the broader commodity sector did have a big money flow day yesterday, but the overnight follow-through was weak. The same issues are at play today as they were yesterday and as they were this past week. We're still adequately supplied in most food and energy commodities, but we also still have slowly escalating geopolitical risks that create logistics challenges for global trade. Now, those logistics risks are lengthening trade routes while increasing costs. This is actually a great greater problem for China and its trade with Europe and the eastern United States than it is a direct problem for the U.S. Now, it is a global market and what impacts one part of the world impacts all the world in one way or another. Speculative fund managers build large short positions in most commodities over the past year and a half on deflationary trend expectations. Prices fell notably over that period, reaching multi-year lows in many cases. End users are asking themselves if they're willing to risk a possible short covering rally that could be triggered by a geopolitical headline out of the Black Sea or Red Sea. Now, speculative fund managers with big profits in those short positions are asking the same thing. That's going to give us periodic days like we saw yesterday when both came in to do some buying at these low price levels. Now also, the Federal Open Market Committee is concluding two days of meetings this afternoon with the release of its updated policy statement at 2 p.m. Eastern time. That will be followed by a press conference with Fed Chair Jerome Powell 30 minutes later. Wall Street wants a pivot to lower interest rates. It's betting that the first cut will come in May, if not in March. Now the more dovish members of the FOMC are no doubt making an argument for such in today's meeting. However, the more hawkish members are arguing that sticky wage inflation and rising house prices are working against getting the overall inflation rate down to 2% as soon as they would like. That's suggesting they should hold rates where they're at for longer to make sure that that happens. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. We are the nation's largest integrated healthcare system, providing life-changing care to over 9 million veterans. Our hands are busy, competent, skilled, healing, helping, and friendly. A place where diverse teams come together hand in hand to provide full patient-centered care. Working in state-of-the-art facilities with influential leaders in healthcare, all with a single goal in mind, to help veterans heal, recover, and get their lives back in a place where everyone plays a part and where your efforts are truly appreciated. A place so innovative and forward-thinking that we're rebuilding hands and where even robots lend a hand. Join hands with us. Learn more at vacareers.va.gov. Information America's farmers and ranchers need. AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America. Joining us now for a conversation and giving us a recap of the dairy forum that just happened here this past week in Phoenix, Arizona. He is the president and CEO of the International Dairy Foods Association, IDFA. Michael Dykes is with us here on the program. Michael, it's great to have you back on AOA with us. Hope you're doing well. 
Doing well. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Well, let's uh, get a recap of Dairy Forum, and it sounds like it was uh, greatly attended and a lot of great conversations that happened out there in Phoenix, Arizona. Give us your perspective and uh, a bit of a recap of how things went this year. Outstanding. It, it was over a thousand dairy industry leaders. The place was so full of optimism. Uh, it was a buzz with enthusiasm. Uh, when you stepped out the elevators, you could hear the buzz from coming the hallways in the bar. It was it was phenomenal. I've had many many positive comments. Um, uh, the sessions, people enjoyed the sessions. Uh, there's just the, the the comments were just overwhelmingly positive. It was so good to see the industry come together. We had dairy farmers there. We had uh, boards of directors from the farmer-owned cooperatives. We had uh, leaders from all the major dairy processors. We had the suppliers, supporters of the industry. We had universities. We had economic development agencies from the states looking to attract more dairy. We had our next-gen leaders, uh, next-gen alumni there highlighted. Uh, we did a focus on uh, women in dairy, uh, and, uh, and we released a new report on women in dairy. Uh, it was, Jesse, it was just phenomenal. Well, I know a lot of awards were handed out as well during uh, Dairy Forum this year, as you guys do uh, every every year with the forum. And I know, folks, uh, a lot of this, uh, the awards and more of the news, idfa.org, they could find it. I, I'd love your perspective, though, Michael. What were some of the the hot topics that you heard, you know, you mentioned the, the buzz that was out there in the hallways and during the sessions. What were some of the, the big things that were talked about amongst folks or what were some of the, the favorite highlights potentially from some of those sessions? Uh, talk about that a little bit for us. Well, I, I, want, I want to touch just one second on awards. We did the very first ever Workplace of the Year Award. We're putting an emphasis on people as people as the number one concern for our members. So we did the inaugural IDFA Workplace of the Year Award, went to Schreiber Foods, outstanding company, doing some phenomenal progressive things with workforce to attract and retain the best and the brightest. The Innovative Farmer of the Year went to Bateman Family Farms in Utah. Absolutely mind-boggling the things they're doing on the farm and the efficiency of their farm. The biggest things, Jesse, that I saw was probably um, I had one slide that had uh, the investments that we're aware of. We're, we're talking over $7 billion in investments in dairy processing. There's a level of enthusiasm across our industry that's just absolutely amazing. A lot of discussion about the number one priority of people. Uh, sustainability uh, has moved up. This was the fifth year that McKinsey's done a survey of our executives. Sustainability's moved up into the rankings, I think, from six to number three on their list of priorities. A lot of discussion on trade. Where's our, where's our 20 billion pounds predicted by USDA by 2030? Uh, where's that additional 20 billion pounds going to go? And then we had a lot of discussion around uh, gaining uh, reclaiming the halo for dairy, probably one of the most influential pieces of that mm -hmm. uh, that's underreported has been the ad milk campaign that we've been doing for the last, well, since the 2018 Farm Bill. We've had $9 million appropriated for that. The last awards went to Auburn University uh, Hunger Solutions. We will be in over 700 stores in 19 states uh, buy, buy milk and you get double, uh, your bucks back 
as an incentive to purchase additional products for SNAP recipients, which is 43 million Americans. So those were, those were some of the things. Um, evolution, growth, a new vision for dairy, uh, becoming the world's dominant supplier of dairy products, finding value all over the place, uh, making spirits uh, uh, out of our way, making ethanol out of our way, uh, additional fractions that uh, capitalizing on for health and wellness, uh, capitalizing on the protein profile of dairy. Mm-hmm. I could go on and on, Jesse. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I, you know, a couple things uh, you mentioned in there as well. I think uh, uh, trade is, is, of course, a hot topic throughout agriculture. I know you had a breakfast address during Dairy Forum and kind of touched on that a little bit. I know Doug McCaleb, uh, the Biden administration's chief ag negotiator, spoke at the Dairy Forum as well. Uh, talk to me a little bit about just some of the trade agenda and, and how dairy fits into this. And, of course, I know as well, you know, we're into a presidential election year, so can that have some impacts on things? I mean, just give us some of your thoughts on, on the USTR's trade agenda and, and your thoughts there right now. Well, trade, I was so pleased to have Ambassador McCaleb there. He's just he's just an outstanding individual. I've known him for many, many years when he worked at USDA. Very pleased to see him be at USTR and was been very supportive of him uh, being nominated and confirmed for the ambassadorship. You know, we've had the, the, I would say, Jesse, the, the biggest revelation for food and agriculture has been this year, the first time ever that we've had a negative balance of trade for food and agriculture. The U.S. has had negative balance of trade for many years, but food and agriculture has always boasted of how we export more than we import. And of course, in the case of dairy, we export twice as much as we import. But for food and ag, this was the first year we imported more than we exported. I think goes to show you kind of where we are with a trade agenda or the lack thereof. We've we've had no effort to negotiate new trade agreements. Our competitors around the world are continuing to negotiate new trade agreements. They take several years to negotiate and then to take an additional several several years for them ever be uh, fully implemented so you get the full benefits of it. So that was a the, the the trade. Our farmers, our dairy farmers, are the most efficient in the world. They want to grow, uh, and as again, USDA is projecting, uh, forecasting an additional twenty billion pounds of milk by twenty thirty. We're going to need a trade agenda, Jesse. Ninety five percent of ninety five percent of the consumers live outside the U.S. A third of the world's population lives in India and Africa today. Five of the largest economies will be in uh, Africa. Six of the fastest growing economies in Africa. So, uh, we, we got it. We got to diversify. We've got to have a, a positive trade agenda. Regardless who's in the White House. Exactly. Well, and diversification, too. You know, there's been a lot of talk about U.S.-China relations, as I'm sure you are well aware of. And, you know, I I think about that. I mean, from a dairy perspective, as with many ag commodities, I know China's still very, very important to our ag markets, isn't it, Michael? It certainly is. Uh, For dairy, China is number three behind Mexico and Canada, one and two. China's number three. Food and agriculture can't afford to totally de-link from China, Jesse. Uh, we need time to diversify. 
Um, uh, we saw the vote in Taiwan recently going to more conservative government. So there's there's a lot of attention in the world today, uh, geopolitical risk creating more uncertainty, but we must diversify. We got to get into Southeast Asia. We need to figure out a way to get more dairy, U.S. dairy into India. We need to be thinking about uh, Africa. I think the other thing that I highlighted too, Jesse, uh, we, we have the most efficient dairy producers in the world. We have, with $7 billion invested, we have the most modern, efficient processing plants in the world. Uh, if we have trade agreements, uh, we'll have the quality products. If we have trade agreements that gives us market access with Europe's farm to fork, where they're probably producing less at a more expensive rate, we have an opportunity to become the world's dominant supplier of dairy products, Jesse. Michael, uh, real quick before we run out of time, one other topic I just wanted to maybe get a quick update from you on. I haven't heard a whole lot of uh, fresh news surrounding the, the federal milk marketing order process. I know it's an ongoing process. Is there anything of note you could share on that for us real quick by chance? Well, it, it, it is ongoing. Uh, the thought is it will probably end January 31st. I think they're getting down to the final few uh, witnesses to testify. Uh, so I, mo most people's thoughts are January 31st, it will, it will come to an end. Um, and then we'll probably be uh, late in 2024, early 2025. Uh, farmers will, will have an opportunity to vote on it. So after the hearing testimony ends, USDA will reflect on all the testimony and come out with the proposed, any proposed changes to the current federal milk marketing order system. That will go to the dairy farmers. And then a very important point here, Jesse, that uh, not everyone's clear on, farmers across the country will get a chance to vote on the changes, but it will be a vote on the order as am amended. So they won't be able to vote just on the changes. So either vote, yes, I want this new order as USDA is proposing to change it, or I want no order at all. And that vote will probably take place in late 24, and then you'll see implementation in Q1, Q2, 25. Appreciate the clarity and the uh, insight and the update there on the federal milk marketing order situation where that stands. And we do appreciate the time. Folks can learn more, idfa.org. With that, the president and CEO of the International Dairy Foods Association, Michael Dykes. Michael, thanks for joining us on AOA. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you again soon. Pleasure all mine. Thank you, Jesse. Good stuff there with Michael Dykes from IDFA. All right, we'll be back and we'll talk U.S. apples on the way right after this here on AOA. Times of transition, whether from a sad event or a joyful one, can leave us feeling adrift. Social connections are an important part of a healthy life. Being isolated and lonely can be harmful to your health. It can lead to high blood pressure, a greater risk of heart disease, and early onset dementia. So it's important to build and maintain connections to people, not just in your family, but others whose relationships bring meaning to your life. Trying a new hobby, volunteering, exercising, 
even using your phone or other device to stay in touch with others. All these can be great ways to keep up your social connections and your physical and mental well-being. Visit connecttoeffect.org to see if you're at risk of social isolation and find ways to get connected. Presented by AARP Foundation with support from United Healthcare. Being blind doesn't always look how others may think. Stargard disease was supposed to define me. Retinitis pigmentosa aimed to overwhelm my family. It tried to cut me down. A blinding eye disease attempted to force me away from doing what I was born to do. But it cannot stop me. I have the tools. I will keep moving forward. Pushing past the limits of this disability. I know where to find support and where I can be seen. Great vision doesn't require great sight. Innovative research, educational resources, supportive community. The Foundation Fighting Blindness is leading the charge in finding treatments and cures for blinding diseases. Make your impact today. Donate now at fightingblindness.org. A public service message from the Foundation Fighting Blindness. Are you heading to NCBA in Orlando? On Thursday, February 1st, stop by Christian Hansen booth 1067 for some exciting live radio. Celebrity host Jesse Allen will be broadcasting AOA live from Christian Hansen booth 1067 from 10 to 11 a.m. Also on Friday at 1130 in the Learning Lounge, Jesse Allen will be hosting Christian Hansen's discussion on how daily feeding of probiotics can improve the digestibility and utilization of the forages cattle are consuming. Heading to NCBA's Cattle Convention? On Friday, February 2nd, stop by USMEF booth 1807 with me, Jesse Allen. We'll be broadcasting AOA Live with our friends from the National Corn Growers Association and the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Stop by from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern to learn how these organizations work together to competitively position American product as the sustainable, high-quality, premier product of choice. And don't forget to join NCGA on Thursday at 2.30 for their Learning Lounge. We'll see you in Orlando. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. Join us Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. You won't want to miss the next Great Plains auction on January 31st. The online auction features an impressive lineup including a 2016 Case IH Steiger 420 Quadro Track Tractor, a 2014 Brandt BCX 1050 Grain Cart, Grip Track Combine Tracks, a Massey Ferguson 2605, and a 1951 Harry Ferguson. Find these items and many more when you visit GreatPlainsAuction.com for the online-only auction. That's on Wednesday, January 31st. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. 
If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America. Joining us now on the program to have a conversation about some of U.S. Apple's priorities in 2024. Their Senior Vice President, Diane Curley, is with us here on the show today. Diane, thanks so much for joining us. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, I know uh, top of mind for a lot of folks, Diane, is a farm bill and other issues uh, impacting agriculture here for 2024. And I know one of the main issues for U.S. Apple is ag labor. And this is a hot topic, no doubt, Diane. So why don't we just start there and and talk about some of the things you're watching currently with ag labor and why it's a top priority for U.S. Apple this year? Sure. Well, thank you. Labor is about 60% of the cost of production for apple growers. And so, um, you know, maintaining um, a reliable, affordable labor force is incredibly important. And over the years, our members have more and more started to rely on the H-2A guest worker program. When I first started at U.S. Apple 15 or 20 years ago, it's been that long. (laughs) Most of our members had a domestic workforce who harvested the apples for them and did other jobs throughout the year. And now that domestic workforce just really isn't there anymore in any sort of consistent fashion. And so our members are relying on the H-2A guest worker program, which brings workers mostly from Mexico and Jamaica here on a temporary basis. And it's great once the workers are here, but getting them here is often, um, it leads to a lot of sleepless nights for our members. I'll put it that way, because there are a lot of administrative hurdles that they have to go through to get the workers here. And if paperwork gets lost um, on one agency's desk and doesn't make it to the next in time, workers can be delayed. And so it's incredibly administratively burdensome. It's also very expensive. It has a wage rate that's based on a farm labor survey that is not accurate a lot of the time. And so it, it has a real inflationary aspect to it that just doesn't reflect you know, market value or market wages. For example, this past year, wages in the Apple states went up by about 7%. Mm-hmm. And the year before, in some states, they went up by 10%. So it's just untenable for our members to keep pace with those kinds of increases. As I said, it's about 60% of the cost of production. And in fact, over the last three years, we've seen the cost of growing apples go up by 65%. Um, And in the meantime, prices have not even kept pace with that. Um, In fact, the latest consumer price index shows that apples went down by 9% over last year. So that's a real struggle for our members. And so we've looked to Congress to reform the H-2A program. There was a bipartisan bill that passed the House twice in 2019 and 2021 called the Farm Workforce Modernization Act, which we helped to negotiate and strongly support. And that would have brought some stabilization to those wage rates that I was telling you about, putting a cap on the amount that they could increase of about 3.25% per year, mm-hmm. which is more manageable and also allows the growers to um, you know, be able to predict and plan, which they can't do right now. Um, it would also modernize the H-2A program, which has not been really touched since 1986. 
when it was first instituted, and um, a lot has changed since then. And so it would also um, bring some administrative relief to that program as well. Unfortunately, though, that bill passed the House twice. It did not pass in the Senate. There was a big push at the end of 2022 to make that happen, and it just didn't get across the finish line. So um, we're back kind of at square one here. And um, as everyone knows, the current Congress isn't really taking on big issues like ag labor reform right now. So we're trying to do things more strategically and just find any way we can to bring relief for our members. Yeah, Diane, and uh, you brought up a, a great point. A, a lot of uh, a lot of things, uh, a lot of tough issues uh, not working their way through Congress right now in the current environment. And I think about the Farm Workforce Modernization Act you mentioned. What would it take at this point, do you think, from what you're hearing uh, on Capitol Hill to try and get that bill or something very similar through both the House and Senate? Does it even seem like a possibility here this year? I think we have to look at other avenues at this point for this year. There are still um, many supporters of our efforts and of that legislation or legislation similar to that in both the House and the Senate. And so that is heartening. But just given the fact that, you know, we seem to be still um, with another short term um, CR and just even getting, you know, 2024 appropriations across the finish line seems to be a difficult task. I think we're, you know, we're looking at other ways to try to help, at least in the short term, even if it's not that longer term now, in terms of a farm bill as well, Diana, obviously that's another big issue. And I know ag labor right there with the farm bill, too. But what about farm bill prospects? What are some things that U.S. Apple is looking for in terms of getting a new farm bill done? Sure. Um, so U.S. Apple is a founding member of the Specialty Crop Farm Bill Alliance. And this is a coalition that was first formed in 2004 because at that time there were no mandatory programs for specialty crops. And specialty crops is basically, you know, think produce is, is mainly what specialty crops is, you know, not your traditional row crops. And so at that time the coalition was formed and we really looked for programs that would increase our competitiveness And so as opposed to more traditional subsidies and that type of thing, we're looking at research dollars and also at dollars that can be used for things like marketing and not just traditional research, but also nutrition research, food safety initiatives, that type of thing. And so during the 2004 Farm Bill debate, we were able to get some new programs included in the Farm Bill that year. The Specialty Crop Research Initiative is one, Specialty Crop Block Grant is another one, as well as some other tweaks and things that are favorable to specialty crops. Um, Since then, with subsequent farm bills, we've been able to build and add on that work from the 2004 Farm Bill. And so that's what we're doing now and really focused on programs, again, that improve competitiveness research for everything from pests and diseases to um, new rootstocks, as well as as trade is very important to the industry. So, you know, broader programs like the Market Access Program, which allows the apple industry to promote apples overseas in our export markets. And of course, um, traditional programs like crop insurance are very important to the industry. Well, Diane, great thoughts. Uh, Before we run out of time and let you go here today, anything else uh, final that you would want to add that uh, U.S. Apple is watching here in 2024? You know, I think really it's the ag labor is probably the biggest thing. And one thing that unfortunately I did not mention that we're also watching with ag labor is regulatory burdens that are being put on our growers. Last year, the um, Department of Labor instituted some additional changes to the H-2A program, which caused um, more administrative burdens and costs for users. And just as we're trying to kind of get used to those and figure out how to navigate that, the Department of Labor and the Department of Homeland Security has proposed even more regulatory 
regulatory changes just in September. And so we submitted comments in November, as did literally hundreds of other ag groups and, and growers across the country. And we're hopeful that the administration will take some of our comments into consideration and maybe, you know, make some adjustments to what they've proposed. With that, Diane Curley, Senior Vice President at U.S. Apple, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Have a great day. We're out of time. Coming up on our next program, we'll be live from the Cattle Industry Convention in Orlando here on AOA. When news happens in agriculture or when the markets are moving, we've got you covered as your trusted voice in agriculture. The team at the American Ag Network has the knowledge and experience to keep you informed on the issues impacting farmers and ranchers. We've got you covered on air, online, and on demand. Find the American Ag Network on your favorite social media platforms and also follow the American Ag Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are the American Ag Network. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Get the latest bonus interviews, exclusive content, and more with the American Ag Today podcast. Just search for American Ag Today and give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? Stop. That dog does not want to be petted. <laughs> Just a little heads up before something bad happens. Move your coffee cup away from your computer. Oh, no, 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 no. So you can have more control. Stop. You're texting your boss by mistake. Uh-oh. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Warning, the cap is loose on that catch-up. Don't wait. You have the power to change the outcome. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Prediabetes Awareness Partners.